Hola, film gods. It's Isusko. Um, I just firstly want to give a massive shout out to everyone that's still listening. Uh, lockdown 2. Um, you know, essential journeys only. Feels like, <laughs> feel like there's a lot of essential journeys happening at the minute. Um, it's just been such an amazing year. It's the end of November. It's like, holy moly, it's just flown by. And I just want to give a massive shout out. We've got another number one down in South Africa. So big up to, to all of my South African peeps. Um, we're in the Spanish charts. We're in the Russian charts. We're in the American charts. You know, it really does mean the world that you're all listening. And if you want to help, you know, listen on the Apple um, podcast app, because that helps us get into more charts. If you're on Spotify or something like that, just go over to Apple iTunes if you can, because um, it really does help us out. Uh, drop a little review in the Apple iTunes podcast. Again, all those things help with the ratings. And today's episode with Catherine Brown is just an amazing app because it just typifies what it is to be a film crew and, you know, a British film crew because they're the people that I know and love. And it's just how she's not used lockdown to kind of take a step back. She's pushed herself forward the love that she has for her job, the love that she has for her role and for everyone that's helped her. And she's keeping that karma cycle going by helping out the people coming up, you know, through her team. So have a little listen, drop some reviews, big love. Speak soon. Computer and we are recording. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, so hello, ladies and gents. Um, you are just about to have um, an amazing time listening to this episode. And um, we've had a quick chat offline. I think there's going to be loads of great stuff for, for people doing it now that want to progress and the, the next generation coming in. I'm so happy. I've kind of been pestering her for a few months. And um, and finally, she's got a bit of time free. Yay! <laughs> so um, without further ado, what is your name and what is your role on the call sheet? Oh, my name is Catherine Brown. And on the call sheet... I'm down as um, either the focus puller or the first AC. Um, yeah. Amazing. And what? so what does that mean to you? When you go on set and you're the first AC and you're the focus puller, what does it mean to you to be on that set? Well, I have quite a bit of responsibility um, um, for a number of reasons. But the main thing is that I'm responsible for um, what happens to that camera and mm -hmm. the kit um during the day of the shoot but i'm also um i'm under the guidance of the director of photography and i do whatever they need me to do and i during the shoot i have to um technically keep images sharp um nice. or soft or whatever the director and the dp want but usually you know after a while of um with some experience you can usually work out what's happening in how you're telling the story um or how you're shooting the product and you can work out all the physic parameters all the optical and physical parameters that kind of help you create an image um, and the most important thing for me and the thing that I concentrate on is the, the lenses, um, the particular lenses that are chosen for that job for that day of work. Nice. And just talking offline before we kind of hit record, you were mentioning about all of the, the kind of prep that goes into you know the job that you're specifically doing at the minute. Now, being a, an AD on set and being a runner, you kind of turn up and it's just like, you're helping the boxes unload out the Ari van or the Panavision, whatever. But just talk us through then that process of we'll, we'll kind of deal with your history. But I just I really was really interested about the the, uh, the the prep to what you do to the point that then you turn up on on set. Well, um, when I'm first asked to do a job, a short form job, a commercial, a corporate um Bit of days on documentaries, things like that, a concert. Um, oh, yeah, I've I, seen you've done a few of those concerts like before over lockdown. The years, oh, yeah. it's amazing. oh no, I haven't I haven't done concerts for a while. Um, it's Oleg and Warren and all that lot who do okay. all the concerts now. But um, 
I have been working on a really interesting documentary for about Robbie Williams, which has been amazing. So um, wow. anyway, so oh, yeah. I get the job. Well, the DOP asked me if I would like to do the job and I'm available. And then I say, yeah, that'd be lovely. And then they tell production manager. Production manager then says, uh, for this number of days, we've got a prep day and usually in commercials, Usually I always have a prep day. And mm -hmm. so I'll go to whichever rental house. I'll go with a camera list that the DP's given me, as well as getting a list from the rental house. And before I go to the rental house, I check the list and I ask about the job and what, what we need, we're doing in the job, where it will be. And then I'll think about the kind of bigger picture mm -hmm. of the kit and how will, how will that manage logistically um, on the day of the shoot or on the few days of the sh of the commercial and then i will suggest that we may need such and such and such and such whereas um the dp has thought about specifically about the lenses and the look and the style of something and worked with the grip to work out how they're going to achieve mm. um, the you know where to put the camera and everything so i'll go to the prep armed with two lists to cross-reference and then I'll go into the prep room at test room and then the first thing I do is project the lenses because Sounds I like need... the lenses are really important. They're the eyes, they're like the crown jewels. Nice. And um, they, they, I project the lenses mm -hmm. on the projector at whichever rental house, check that they're all coming up um and then i take them back to the test room build the camera build all the accessories that i need to use or that the operator slash dop needs to use um and then yeah just make sure everything is working for the next day and i usually build the camera so it's ready to go so all you need on it is some power and the second to put a digital magnet and and we put we put the camera in a coffin which is not a very nice term but that's what we do we always yeah. ask for coffins so basically the kit arrives with the grips kit the camera kit we roll into the studio through the doors Yay, make and, magic make movie history <laughs> <laughs> and then and then i open the coffin <laughs> take the camera out and hopefully it's fine and uh, yeah it's all it's all ready to go basically um and on prep days it's really good because you know you generally don't have a lunch break you might have something to eat at your desk in the test room but um you're generally you, it's i think it's really important to use that time mm. to check things with production to check where we're going to be what's going to happen i always phone the sound mixer I always phone the video playback person nice. um, because I want them to know what camera we're using. Mm -hmm. I want them to know which connections are on it so they know they've got the right cables to, because every, so that many- That sounds very people, thorough. Yeah, but, but that's because so with modern high performing cameras, if you mm. like, like, the um ARRI cameras and Sony Venices and DXLs and and more people can interface with those cameras mm. it's astounding obviously the DITs have play a massive role in that as well but depending on the type of work you're doing there are so many options nowadays for different departments to be able to interface with your camera somewhere. And you don't really like, you're quite protective about the camera. You don't mm. want people just coming along and checking things on without your permission. There's a kind of like, it's mine. Yeah. And I want, to, I'm looking after it and I want to make sure no one does anything to damage it. But at the same time, that's how technology and that's how filmmaking has progressed. So if you establish straight away in your prep, a good relationship with nice. the video assist and the sound mixer, then you turn up, you know, 
you're turning up to work the next day and you've already had a conversation mm. about the job. You might have just had a little few moments of catching up after not seeing them for ages. And then it's like, off you go. You're right. ready. Amazing. I quite like that because, again, I kind of hadn't really thought about, you know, when you're saying like the camera and, and you're quite protective. It'd be like me as a second and I'm looking after my cars and all of a sudden, you know, some random person just came and just stole three of the cars and took them away. And you're like, no, 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 hold on. I need to, you know, it's, yeah, yeah that, I, yeah. yeah. Because, because, you know, like everyone and, well, in the grips and camera department, you, you know, no one would ever really come along. Only the DOP or an operator, if they were, would ever come along and just grab the camera and, and run. I mean, obviously there are lots of situations like that. There are DPs who that's just in their instinct and it's mm. the type of work you might be doing with them where they'll just get the camera and go, put it on my shoulder now, let's go. And you're like, yep, yeah, off we go. But then there are other times when, you know, depending on where you are, you might just be entering into a storm or you're going up a mountain or you're in some grimy cellar somewhere <laughs> in, um, I don't know, far east near the river. And, um, and you need to protect that piece of equipment. Yeah. Camera, film cameras are mu actually much more robust but all the technology that's involved with cameras nowadays, it's so sensitive to moisture, um, corrosive sea air, mm. water anyway, dust, too much dust, too much heat, all these things, you know, you've got these sensors that are varying sizes that are capturing through a filter all this information. Um, and you've got all these fans at the back of the box trying to control the temperature so it doesn't mess up the colors and it doesn't the camera doesn't suddenly stop working so it's all those things that you're having to manage as well but i'm not just managing them by myself there's the dit there's my second ac and so we all know bits of the camera um, and how to manage certain bits of it and how to work out what's best with how to distribute power in order to power all the extra accessories and the extra little monitors we've got and and the extra types of Teradec or Vaxis, the, the video senders, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it just goes on and on. All the stuff that you're constantly learning and having to reacquaint yourself with or, you know, it's what about learning curve. Let's let's just let's start from the beginning then, because yeah. right now, kind of top of the game, all the information, you're amazing at what you do. Obviously, there was a point in time where you had no idea. Yeah. And did you did you even know that camera was where you wanted to go? Or what, no. what's, your, what's your story? No, I had no <laughs> idea. Um, well, um, I, I did photography at school and kind of further education college. Yep. I did it to A-level standard and I did art and English, a bit of sociology. And then I um, always, I took photographs at school with my mates a lot. I took a camera in when I was like 14, 15, I used to smuggle it in and take, we used to pretend that we were having fights and things and doing or taking pictures of boys. And um, <laughs> them so up. That's, that's how my photography started. <laughs> look, I've got a picture of Trevor, look at the picture of Trevor. Oh, no, well, there wasn't a tripod, it was just in my pocket. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, so, uh, so I did my A-levels and then I went traveling for a bit and came back, didn't really know what I wanted to do at university, but I applied for the Central School of Speech and Drama to be a speech and language therapist. Wow, amazing. My grades weren't that quite as good hmm. as I needed. But at the same time, um, I was asked to come up to London for a month to help uh, work with two photographers um, to cover um, somebody who was away on a film for a month. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And they were amazing. And after the end of that month, they said, do you want to stay? Do you want to stay with us and be our assistant? So I worked with them for about three and a half years. Um, wow. Chris Clun and Lawrence Watson, and they were big music photographers mm. in the 90s 
all around this kind of Britpop and wall of sound and um, drum and bass and all that all that scene i was completely became immersed in wow um, that would have been a, such an amazing time great, to be in that it world was really good because yeah i ran their studio in highbury i went on all their photographic assignments which were all music related um a bit later on they kind of did a bit more documentary stuff but they also both of them directed music videos so i would see all these like crew and and small shoots go on in our studio in Highbury Fields. Um, and so I learned so much from them. They taught me how to manage things, how mm. to do a cap accounts, how to run your own accounts. They had a dark room so I could print. Um, they were really, um, really encouraging. And I, I think I was 22 when I, when I went to work for them. And from then on, I uh, moved on and became a freelance PA through people I met with them, and um, in just brother. straight out and into production. Just forget. Yeah, I just talked, no talked to different production managers and and people I met, and um, I also and my and my brother also worked in the industry, so I would go on as a runner on or PA with him, and so he taught me quite a bit of stuff, and. Then I worked, I got a job as a PA for, um, for Rick Woolard and um, Russell Curtis had a little production company. Amazing. So I went and became their PA for about a year and worked on promo, um, promos. Mm. And then after that. Two big I, names. Yeah. Get them on. Yeah. But it, yeah, I I was like, hey, well, yeah. They just. They were brilliant, actually. They were so funny and they were brilliant. And they're still, you know, I'm still hugely fond of them. And Russell now lives down here on the South Coast. So, you know, he's someone I've known for such a long time and mm. he's such an incredibly kind person. And he's very, very good at what he does. And he cares very deeply about storytelling as well. So, so... After and did that, you enjoy the production or, was, or did I you always did, have an eye did, on the creative? You know what? I think the production helped me in an, it taught me how to be more organized mm. and how to think about the detail of organizing things. Um, and so I think I'm quite good at that. I think that's yeah. one of the things that I quite enjoy the kind of organization and, and management of things. I guess that kind of boils, but it also kind of reverts back to when you were talking about when you're in prep and you talk to sound and you talk to other, you know, if maybe if someone hasn't done anything in production, they'd just be like, yeah, I'm gonna to talk to camera and that's what I'm gonna, like, they don't yeah. have that wider picture. Also, what, what what they don't have, which is is really common, is a knowledge of the equipment. And when you don't have knowledge about something, you mm. tend to feel a bit more insecure yes. about discussing those items. And, you know, you ha I, I try and think about how they must be when they're going, oh yeah, do we need this map box and that map box and da da da. So what I do, I just like simply explain why we need that particular piece of kit, mm. because that's how, that kit needs to be used for a reason because we're shooting with the camera in this way and mm. that's why we need that piece of kit and describe exactly what that kit is so i think sometimes i hope that i teach them at the same time yeah, yeah. about the equipment and I that you already had that knowledge when you became a pa exactly because of your, your photography background yeah and that they can they you know the production managers who i sense are less experienced just because they're younger mm -hmm. um that they shouldn't be afraid to ever ask people yeah camera department what things are and because it really helps them learn i think that's across the board the yeah sound if you know if you're a p if you are a pa or or you know and you, you you jump up to be a pm and you are talking to someone on the phone to a crew member about something you don't understand don't ever pretend that you know what they're saying because yeah. you're it's only going to be like two hours later or two days later that you need to rehab that conversation yeah exactly. you know, you know and sometimes we make mistakes and we we think oh no i should have got 
that instead of this mm. of course we need to do that and you've then you need you know have to go back and have that discussion so you've got you've kind of got to think keep things open with people but you've also i think it's really helpful if you know what things are to to pass that information down Completely. so they understand so so you're communicating you're not going no i want this and i want it now mm. and i don't care what you think some people are like that and they you know it doesn't i don't think it gets them very far i don't think you could i don't think i've ever seen you read your, you're so like everything's just true just tranquilo it's like everything's calm everything's cool is you gonna even when we're talking now? It's like your voice. It just it's like it's nice and chilled, and that must be such an important thing to have when everything's kind of going crazy bonkers on set. It's just like just being able to take a step back and go, all right, let's just deal with this calmly. That's true. Um, people do think I'm quite calm, but then sometimes there might be a <laughs> shot that I'm doing like a really hard focus pull. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do in my head? I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this? Yeah, and yeah. it's usually like 10 minutes before lunch or like 10 minutes before wrap or something like there's a really, like just for example, say a food commercial and there's a track, but it's like an, I'm got a diet, there's a diopter on the front of the lens mm. and we're going from into the pouring of some chocolate syrup on a chocolate sponge and it's only a little crack <laughs> but it has to be done at a certain speed and it has to be sharp all the way through and you like really like oh my god and then you have to go i've got to use the force basically yeah um you set yourself some marks you have a little practice and you trust that your amazing grip is with you in your mind and, in sync um, <laughs> and then you do it yeah. and then everyone's like oh great it's lunch now bye <laughs> <laughs> but guys i've just done a shot in 10 yeah, minutes it would normally really take hard. someone an hour come on i want to fucking clap <laughs> <laughs> but um but actually i'll do that next time don't worry if there's like a really tricky <laughs> shot we'll do a guard of honor as you're going no, to lunch no, no. just give you <laughs> like a fanfare <laughs> oh, no. i think people do see me sweat quite a bit and um um, but the the most like the it's like sometimes under pressure, which focus pulling can be so pressured. Yeah. Um, you like you would not realise that my like my heart is basically pumping out of my chest and it wants to try and get up somehow through my throat <laughs> and out through my mouth, and especially when you're working with some actors that mm. you're just like the performance is um, just you with them and you're just like, you don't want to mess up because mm. you, you sense how much effort and, and stuff is going on for them and the operator. And you just like, I can't mess this up. It has to be right. It mm. has to be right. Um, but yes, but I'd like to tell you about something I did recently. I won't yeah. tell you now, but a job I did recently that was incredible. But I'll tell we'll get back to what you- um, I can't even remember what the yeah. question was. Go on, uh, here, go on, tell, about, tell us, tell us, tell us the thing, tell us the story. All right, okay. So I did this job in July for Channel 4 with Stuart Bentley. Mm -hmm. And he, it was a like a two week job and it's just, it was one episode of um, not a series, but they're all single episodes of I am mm -hmm. and they're female led um, stories. And this one was called I am Victoria, which hopefully will be out soon. Mm -hmm. And the what is piece, it? did you say Channel 4? Did you say? Yes, yeah, yeah. Channel 4. And um, um, uh, Vicky McClure and um, Gemma Chan and Samantha Morton. So this next episode is with um, Suran Jones and Ashley Waters. I'm not going to tell you about what happens in the story, yeah. but I'm going to tell you that the that each piece is improvised. There wow. are scenes, there are scenes, yeah. but the actors have to be free to move throughout the whole of the house, for example, if that's the location. So everybody, given it's COVID, mm. 
there it's a much smaller crew um, and you don't really need that many more people because there's a lot of available light being used and then just other things brought into enhance more little practicals and stuff you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and but then you you're wireless everything's wireless and you know you hide it's a bit like a documentary mm. you hide i hide somewhere where i can still get a good picture and get good lens control like a focus puller's ninja just like yeah, yeah I mean, sneaking got, around yes but you know it's really it's it's not easy but it's it's easy to go down that route of just looking at monitors and i would say that younger focus pullers do use monitors a lot but I, I was taught by my focus pullers when I was a loader about, you know, using a tape measure and watching the relationship between the subject and the film plane of the camera. Yeah. So you get to, and when you're working on Steadicam and the camera's moving and you're, you know, you, you build that instinct kind of develops mm. and, and you get into a zone. So when you can't see the relationship directly between the operator and the, the actor, it's really like, oh, especially if the framing is sometimes very tight, mm. you, you're like, well, are they actually, what they, where are they gonna go next? You don't know, you don't know where they're gonna go next. But what you do do is acquaint yourself with the spaces, like you go into the kitchen, I kind of measure spaces so I, go oh, well actually you know the te the big dining tables are uh, 15 feet from the washing up the sink mm -hmm. and da, da, da. anyway so this was amazing because it was really uh freeing because right at the beginning the producers came up to me and said oh you know what which is very unusual they said do not put too much pressure on yourself obviously we know you, you're a focus puller and you're mm good at what you do but don't put too much pressure on yourself because this whole story comes out right at the end in the edit mm. you we haven't got um uh, like a storyboard yeah we haven't got death storyboards da, da, da. we've got scenes and the framework of the scene and we know we know what we how we i know we the beats know they want to get story we know yeah, the yeah. themes we know but don't worry about it. It will all happen at the end. And some of the takes were like an hour long. What? Stuart is just Oh my amazing. goodness. He is amazing. He's so light-footed. You know, I can tell. What camera was he holding? He was a little. Like an light. iPhone. No. I'd even not be able to hold an iPhone up for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was my an Alexa Mini goodness. with Zeiss Super Speeds. And it was all stripped really stripped so it's so lightweight yeah yeah but he has just got this like balance and he's so nimble and he's he must i asked him if he was good at dancing but and he didn't really reply he's a secret but, salsa oh, she's uh, got yeah. he's just got the moves of light yeah. such lightness of foot and and um yeah uh, he was and his framing is so beautiful and um and so yeah. just talking through so that kind of say the scene that you're saying that, that that lasted an hour, yeah. Would they be? Would it be like right, boy, me, boy and girl in house? They're having a a discussion about something, and it leads to an argument, and then the argument then breaks down, and they forgive yeah. each other, and so, and it's like the whole scene plays out. You're not just like not picking out a scene. moment. It it will. It's it's moments. It's so. Say the story's over. Say the story was was in real time a week's worth of narrative something right, happens okay. during the week then yeah, yeah. each scene you have each scene so the scene starts say in the kitchen mm. um but then that all that that happens the improvisation the dialogue in that kitchen the physical place that the actors move together in that space uh, that can continue there's no the director doesn't have to to cut if he feels you know he's feeling but it's taking you somewhere else then mm. the actor might just take you off into another room into another space up the stairs and then there's the director's feeling about when he or she 
thinks, right, that's it now. I actually like to go back to a, an earlier point there in the scene and, mm. and, um, and try it again, but maybe with some notes. Um, wow. yeah. How does that feel kind of coming from a, having a, a very strong foot in kind of short form where it's like you've got 15 boards and they've, those boards have been spoken about for six months and we're here to give a, a, a tracking shot into the, you know, the slow-mo chocolate. Is it a totally, had you worked in that way before? Is that a totally new uh, way of working? I have worked where it's been quite freestyle with things before. Um, let me think. Because um, I guess yeah, you don't know where like anything's going to be. You know, yeah, you know music videos on Steadicam yeah, yeah. where, yeah. yeah, and where, um, yeah, I have. Um, but this, this was specific to that story and that project. Um, it was really freeing. I mean, yeah, it was lovely because I just could focus completely. I wear cams a lot in when I'm doing long form work. Mm. Um, a bit occasionally in short form if there's a lot of dialogue, but I wear cams because I find them, they help me connect more sometimes sometimes mm -hmm. you don't need you know the camera may not be obviously framed in a way that tells the story obviously there may be some unusual framing or you might not see the characters but you hear them first so then there are all sorts of kind of motivations for where the focus might be whether it's on an 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 inanimate object in mm. the in the scene or whether it's on the person who's not talking or whether it's somewhere out there out the window or whether you know so for me listening is really important it it helps me connect it helps me connect to the environment the scene and what's going on I'm just gonna gonna, you're just gonna get he's deaf he can't listen to me anymore so um he just makes noise and hopes that someone does <laughs> someone something. Hang on a minute. <laughs> no worries. Right, I've just given him some food. Yeah, um, best way to shut any man up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stick him in front of a player food. <laughs> nice. So we. So I guess where I'm, I feel like a question that where you started. Mm -hmm. you kind of started off being very, it felt like it was like very create in a very creative environment and quite hands-on in a creative environment, then went into the world of production. And at what point then did that, the PA and the PM in suddenly become a, a, a point in your life where you went, actually, I need to get back into, into the creative world of camera. Well, I just, I kind of, when I was on shoots, I'd look, I'd see camera and I'd be like, oh gosh, I really want to be there. But I want to be that. I, I want to be, be there. And what's in all those boxes? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and why are there so many boxes? And, um, but it was very hard. They, it was, camera seemed like, camera crews seemed to be quite um, up themselves a bit, really. Mm. So not very approachable. And um, what happened was um, there was this little course in South London um, run by this, I guess it was a charity and it was to help people. You could go on a 10 week course a few days a week and you could, if you already had industry experience of any kind, you could um, apply for it go on it and it would help you it was specifically for camera 16 mil loading and yep. people like Alvin Kushler were teaching on it a producer who I can't remember the name of she ran it so I guess it could have been a charity of some mm. kind it was called halfway house so I did that and I met lots of other people like me and um as in industry experience, but industry wanted to move into camera. They didn't quite know where they were junior and they didn't okay. quite know, but they did want to go into camera, but they'd done other things. Mm. So they were kind of stuck. I was stuck. Mm. Um, so I did it and got on 
And then at the end of it, a few days after the end of it, I got this phone call and um, another person on the course, she'd gone to her granny's in Portugal. So they'd phone me next. And basically they said, will you go meet this DP tomorrow um, for a possible feature film? Go down to Repton um, Boxing Club and go meet him. Um, he's on a recce. I didn't really know what recce was. Um, <laughs> I went down to meet him and it was Tim Morris Jones wow. and it was lock, stock and two smoking barrels. So wow. I was like, yes, please. <laughs> Holy so that, I was a trainee. that was my, my feature film, first feature traineeship. Um, and what a good film to kind of yeah, jump in it was. on. It was, it was quite mad because it was like a bit like a pop promo every day because most of the people who worked on it were from commercials and music videos, okay. including the director and producers. Mm. Yeah, that was their background. And so it's quite, it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing, but I was, you know, I was the junior junior and, um, and so, yeah, Jake Markerson was the clapper loader he was just like who is what now one of the best focus pullers in the country and who I just like he's just one of the best that's all I can say and um and Peter Wignall was the operator and he's still operating and of course Tim Morris Jones and then the focus puller was Matt Hale but I don't I think I don't know what happened to him to be honest yeah well that's that's the end of there go 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 but <laughs> The cat come, it's come back for round two, talking to boxing clubs. <laughs> and so what does that, what does stepping onto that film set then, what was that like? How did it, do you nervous? Were you just oh, excited? Was it just oh, a mixture of everything? Uh, it was a mixture of everything. I was really nervous. I mean, I, um, I lived in a flat and I shared a flat with um, a costume designer who had gone, she was like on the upward, upward curve of her career and she had gone off to um, the Czech Republic, I think, to work on a, on a Jake Scott film, um, one of the Scott Sons films. Mm. And so I was by myself in the flat for 10 weeks and production had given me a car so I could pick up the script supervisor every day and drop off the rushes every day. And um, yeah, I was really nervous. I had never done anything like that of that intensity day after day, all those hours and it was winter time. And, you know, and there were lots of young actors really like all the Jasons, you know, really Nick Moran, Dexter Fletcher, mm. Jason Statham, Jason Fleming, they were all there having this amazing time and really showing their, showing off and, and developing their characters. And, you know, um, it was, it was, it was, it was exciting. And, um, but yeah, very nerve wracking because there's, um, yeah, you're a trainee, but you still want to you still want to do the best you can, yeah. and you know, not knowing that much, and um, you can't do everything, but you just try and do the best you can when you're a trainee, and just do what you're asked to. And usually, the DOPs and operators are always really, usually, really good to the junior person mm. they always take care of them they always like make sure that they're okay and it's always the people in between who are working their asses off you know <laughs> <laughs> they're too busy they're too I know, busy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, as you know so where did that so you kind of into the feature so films did, and yeah. then and then that was it you got the bargain camera no, was it well yes i um because i'd already been loading with um on pop promos a little bit mm. after that i had i didn't have I didn't have really very much money, so I didn't have any like cushion of any kind. So I had to basically, I didn't do loads of years of training. I kind of, lots of camera trainees now, you know, they've gone to university and got, got a degree and then they go and be trainees for one and a half to sometimes even three years. I could not do it. I could not no. afford to do it. I didn't get paid that kind of trainee money that you get paid now mm. for a start. 
So I had to just go out and start loading on promos and short films, which I did do. Um, so it's mostly Super 16 and 35 mil jobs. And I was lucky enough for Oleg Pupko to take me under his wing. Love that guy. And I don't know how he put up with me, but um, <laughs> he is. And I did learn some stuff from him, but, <laughs> but he's now, you know, he's now like one of my best friends. Um, but he was the person that gave me, him and Luke Palmer um, nice. gave me masses of opportunities. When Luke Palmer DP in, when he lighting or... Focus, he was a focus puller then. So it was nice. those, when I was a loader, it was those focus pullers. And then when I was more experienced, when I'd become a more experienced clapper loader, it was, then I met Catherine Derry mm. because Gabby used to load for her, but she moved up and, yeah, you yeah. know, everyone yeah, yeah. moves up. So um, then, you know, I, that began my long friendship and work relationship with Catherine. Um, and me and Oleg, sometimes work together, sometimes get him out on um, dailies on some dramas if it's quite nearby, mm. just because it's really good fun. <laughs> it's like getting <laughs> the band back like together. It's really going to be good fun and he loves it. He's just like, so we've yeah, had yeah. some really like the, over the last few years. We've done, uh, we, I'd have done a couple of feature films over the last few years and mm. they, they've been gorgeous. They're just, both of them are coming out now. Mm. And, um, and so he's been out a few times with me. He really loves it. Does that start to make it feel like more of a family? It's like, you know, the the, the experience, the years, the, the the people that you have around you, does it kind of become a, yeah, does it become a film family then, that of camera team? Of course it does. But the camera team, it's the camera team, but it, you have to be open-doored about it. Mm. It changes all the time. People move on. People might want to decide that they want to do something different, but you have to take those year or few years you have with particular crew. Like at the moment I work particularly with a second AC I met a few years back and I know that she wants to move on to be, she'd really like to move on at some point to be a crane technician. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you have to do it. It's really amazing. You have to do it, but I'm not, you know, she's going to be with me until she wants to move on. Mm. So, um, so yeah, you do gather people around you and then sometimes you get taken into other film families mm. and there, there is a little bit of difference between like long form high end TV crews and short form. And, um, so I kind of go between both of them. They're mm. quite different. Uh, but when I come back to short form, commercial, or, well, I haven't done the music video for ages, but I feel... I think that might have been me, where we first met many yeah. moons ago, and I, I didn't even know what a first was, but I got put in charge of, of being a first. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that, to me, that feels like coming home. Yeah, nice. That's where all those yeah, yeah. people are who've seen you, you know... Yeah, you, you go on a long job and you have a really quite intense relationship with people for a few months and then it finishes and then you might see them again on the next one or you might not for ages. But in commercials, everything's moving around all the time. Mm. We always catch up. We always talk about each other and how did you see so-and-so or you know what's happened to so-and-so. It's, you know, it is... I feel that commercials is a particular kind of family and the young people, you know, young ones are coming in into it all the time and it's really exciting the way it, it's, you know, growing like that. And what's really exciting is also knowing that you can, you know, you're part of teaching people if, mm. if you've got knowledge, which is really good. That's how it needs to be. That's how it has to be. And that knowledge and that teaching, what would you... What would you now say to that that young you? And I don't know whether it'd be, I, I kind of, I don't know whether it'd be the, the, the you that, that turned up on, on Lockstock or the you that was doing the PA in, but when would, what, what would you say to, to that younger you? I, I think I'd say, don't hold back as much. Um, I was sometimes quite shy hmm. and in this industry 
it's always the fact is in this industry it's people sometimes that shout the loudest that get all get the attention mm -hmm. and even if you think it's easy to like sit back and go i really know this i know how to do this i know this um but you need to open your mouth and tell somebody <laughs> and that's what i wish i'd okay. done sooner um but that's not not to say that I haven't loved all the years that I was a clapper loader and the places I went and the adventures I had. And then as a focus puller, now having so much more responsibility in the preparation for long jobs and um, kind of overseeing my juniors and hoping that, you know, I'm doing the right thing and making sure that the hopefully getting the right training and guidance but also you know confidence is a massive thing in this industry whether it's in commercials or you know as a first ad that you have to show that you even if you in the back of your mind you're like i don't know if this this person's gonna turn up or whether this uh, is yeah. going to be right or is the how the heavens going to open or whatever you've got to have that you've got to have that air about you that you know what you're doing and even if things change you're prepared mm. um, and i think i think um the confidence thing is really important for younger people and and especially for um for women younger women mm -hmm. and um well that was when you said um, about the your second AC that wants to be a crane tech in my head yeah. I went do I know have I ever seen or do I know of a female crane tech and I don't know if I do yeah I think there are a couple of I'm not sure no I don't know any well, I, I just think I know, be I know women grips female grips yeah yeah um but yeah that's what she really she said one day to me she said you know what this is what I really would really love to do and if it hadn't been for, uh, you know, COVID and lockdown, I think she'd be on her way now. Mm. And she's the right person to do it. She's got the right attitude and she's got the right sense of humour and she's focused and um, she already does, she, she can jump easily between like being a clapper loader for me and a really well-paid grip assistant for, you know, for a couple of really fantastic grips mm. so it's you know it, she's a gem basically and i don't really want to let go of her too soon yeah but. that's what happens but that's, <laughs> but i think that's really nice that you're kind of you're helping her progress in her career even though you know it's not gonna benefit you at yeah, yeah it's not like okay. she wants to be yeah that's, that's it okay. that's, that's, that's what you have to accept that's it if you can accept that, like when I was younger, I was like, no, I really want to control everything. I want this, I want to keep it like this. And it's mm. like, that's not how things go. No. You've got to accept that people have to do, like move and make choices that, that are good for them. And um, so that's, that's important. And saying that i did actually during lockdown i applied for the screen skill screen skills menteeship um for operating because i want to do more i want to really take it further and then um, i got accepted come on so, i know so i've got a mentor now president of the aco and <laughs> and i have worked i've met him a couple of times he's came came on and guested operating on a job I did last year. So I'm like, so happy. He's It'd be like this, can you imagine like that cyclical thing? It's like all of a sudden they go, right, I'm your mentor, but we've got you a day's, you know, or a week shooting on a, on a film and the DB's Tim Morris Jones. And it's like, all of a sudden, yeah, that, you know, the first, <laughs> can you imagine it? Just be like, there it is. The circle yeah. is complete. Well, it's kind of like for the last year and a half, I've been doing little bits. Catherine Derry has been so supportive. So she gives me B-camera operating jobs. Right. Nano Seagull has given me B-camera operating on um, uh, like a little feature film that she did called The Bike Thief. Um, and then I've had, yeah, 
uh, Arthur Mulhern has given me B camera operating days on his drama. So, and then and it's adding a string to the bow. It's it's like you know B camera operating. That's like it's it's, it's it's to to. But you also you, we're not going to lose you. Don't tell me we're losing you. In no, well, I want to just be able to do it all. Know, I want to come into commercials and be yeah. operating as Amazing. well. Um, more, Jamie Hicks is. Jamie Hicks is a an operator on dramas and films that I is one of my heroes and he rings me up every so often and goes girl can you come out and do this and I'm like no I'm busy and it happens a lot and um, he did that recently and I said oh you know I'm gonna try and do more operating next year when all this COVID has settled down. And he mm. said, you know what you're going to be called? You know what me and Richard Bevan called ourselves for a while? Fuck ops. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, I like that, that. Sounds really good. I like that, fuck ops limited, hi. Do you yes, fuck I'm a fuck up. <laughs> so, I like that. And so, her, hey, I think it's, it's like you kind of you've got that this smile when you're talking about it there's like this smile there's this brightness there's this thing it feels like there's like this new well not new enthusiasm but it's like well, after the year that we've had to I be know. here and to have something that you're like that's where I'm going to this that's is what, what I've I want to do because life's too short yeah, and great. um you know and it has been shitty for so many people um and perhaps this space i've had more time to to read and watch films and and look at watch webinars and um listen to those experts who are up there making films and drama and and yes when when you're doing something that goes you're using more of the creative section of your brain whereas when i'm a camera assistant everything's so symptom there's systems systematic mm. there are ways of doing things you can change them a little bit when you're a camera assistant but generally you learn from the people that know that have employed these systems already and the only way to change things sometimes is when a new bit of technology comes along and then you have to go well actually we need to at this point we need to change it and do this in mm. order for this to happen again and so so once you i'm starting to use a different bit of my brain hopefully um but creativity it's like really exciting again it's, it's and i'm older now but I want to spend, you know, I want to have that energy and to look forward to doing more things in my career. And, you know, you don't do things by yourself. Maybe if you're a writer, you do. But I get all that energy and love and stress and pressure mm. and like what things from all those people, from you and all the people that I work with. That's where it all comes from. And it's different all the time. There are different, there are variables on how all the certain group of people work together compared to those. And, and you think, well, I've just got to do, I've got to do my best and I've got to be responsible because I'm older and I've got to speak up when I need to. And I've got to make sure that everything is working and that nothing breaks down but sometimes it does but then manage it and problem solve when it does so it's the problem solving which you you become quite good at when you're um, an experienced camera assistant yeah nice and i just love i honestly i love the fact that with the experience that you've got with the years of you know coming up the ranks that there's still that you know it's that that kind of the, the the enthusiasm of youth to be able to say i still don't know it all and there's yeah. still something else that i want to you know most people might go i'm settled i'm here covid's yeah. just happened i'm going to stick to what i know i'm not you know it's like i know some some runners that had just jumped up to second in that are back running or some first that are back so you know it's like everyone's kind of half taking a step back but you're like fuck that i'm going, I'm going. forward i'm, I'm going, going at for it. it come on <laughs> bring it on man i love yeah, it you've got to everyone's got to take this as yeah. an opportunity completely to, you know if they were holding back 
they have to have faith and and just go i'm just gonna come on let's just try it let's yeah. just try it because you don't know what's gonna happen yeah you what's gonna happen in the new year or or in spring or you know there is there's all these other things going on outside of our filmy bubble mm. you know the politics the government the everything we know we know what's going on sometimes we try and not watch the news in order to just go i don't want to know i don't <laughs> want to know but um but but if yeah i mean you know of all the amazing things that have happened with our the community our film community um during lockdown you know the five of friday or all, all yes. that stuff i mean it's just like well mind done, and they were all people who they were coming from tv and you know everyone was are suddenly becoming more aware of each other yeah. all those different fields if you like were crossing over and making friends and and um, supporting each other um so you know and and what you've done with this as well it's oh thanks mate it's just it's it's been really important it's adding adding layers to what uh, what it is that we do well uh, i wanna we've kind of the zoom telling me we've done past an hour and i just i want to kind of firstly thank you for for coming on and you it's always it's always tricky when I kind of get people that are in a very technical role, because you kind of think, well, am I going to understand what they're talking about? Are they are we going to get bogged down in the minutia? But actually, what you're talking about, kind of, it's like, yeah, this is what I do, and this is how I do it. But actually, there's so much wider experiences to be learned to be had from being on a film set and from you know you kind of these experiences and these things that we have with people and these relationships and i just want to thank you from kind of coming on and and speaking so so warmly and so openly about what you do and how you got in because i think it's going to be such an important there's going to be so many important little nuggets that someone that you know that might be young and female and go fuck i can't get into camera you know i'm a i'm a 17 year old girl from from south london i don't know anything and it's like well no actually it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your, you know, what your chances are. If, you know, the serendipitousness of, of the film industry is like, throw yourself in there as you're doing. It's like, throw yourself into the deep end and, and it will happen. You'll learn how to swim. It's like that first day on your film set. That's going to probably be the same excitement that you get when you're, you're camera operating, even though you've been in the industry yeah. for years and years. It's I like know. those butterflies are back. Yeah, oh, and, that, and also the self-doubt and all that kind yeah, of Yeah, all of that, you know, the heartbeat in the throat. Yeah, the heart in the mouth. Um, but yes, it's, um, of course. And I kind of want it to be like that, really, because otherwise the blood won't flow, will it? No. So. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on and for being part of the Film God podcast journey that I'm going on. Um I always love to kind of give the, the the end of the episode to you just so that you can give a shout out to anyone um, who you, you've mentioned a few names, but if there's anyone that you specifically or something that you want to highlight or anything like the floor is yours to have a little, um, have a little shout out. Yeah. I want to, to shout out to Catherine Derry, Kirsten McMahon, Nanu Segal, Richard Mott, Luke Palmer and Sarah Rollison and Jesse Bruff and Oleg, Oleg Pupko, and, um, and my ma amazing second AC, Alison Stretfield. Yay, future foot, future crane tech. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I feel like I want to get her on now, just to do like the, just do yeah, the- Get her the, on. I should do it. <laughs> it's like, I haven't, I don't think I've got a second AC. Let's do this. Yeah. Holy moly. Well, look, yeah. mate, I just love that you've given me you know, almost an hour and a half of your time on what yeah. is, I know that you're super busy because you're going into like this next block of, of, of work on a big long form. So <laughs> thank you for kind of carving out the time to just speak to me. Um, I really, really do appreciate it. And I, and I love that, you know, for anyone that's listening, kind of, you know, hit Catherine with, with some little, you know, some thanks, some gratitude, if anything kind of hit home, hit her up on the Instagrams or the Facebooks or whatever, you know, whatever it is, just so that we're all connecting, so that we're all kind of getting back and talking to each other. 
Um, so ladies and gents, thank you for listening. Thank you for keeping us in all the charts. The Film God podcast listeners, you are amazing. Um, and until we meet again, ladies and gents, that is a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I'll give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film God's podcast. The what? The Film God podcast.